Welcome to the Three Strands Podcast. We hope you'll enjoy the sermon you're about to hear. At Three Strands, our mission is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. I'm glad you guys are here today. Um, We are at the very tail end of this series, hashtag no filter, becoming the real us or becoming the real you. And so I hope you've picked something up, but today's piece of the puzzle is super critical. So I'm glad you're here. I hope you will take a few notes or at least a few mental notes and you will uh, go out here today and not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word and put it into practice and it'll change your life, I promise. So uh, God's word is never um, sent out and it never returns empty or void. So it'll uh, do us some good if we just put it into practice. So trust in you guys to do that part today. I'll give you all I got from God's word and everything I've studied this week, and I'm just trusting you to have the courage to go live it out this week, and so uh, it'll be a crucial piece of the becoming the real you puzzle. So if you haven't been here yet, we've been asking this question every week. Um, It'll be on the screen again today, but here's the question. You ready? What do you think God thinks when he thinks about you? What do you think God thinks when he thinks about you? And so uh, we're trying to get a a shift in the way we think or a, a, a shift in the way our mind works because We've been saying each week of this series that your full potential is just one shift in perspective away. And that's the truth. It's not like you have to um, go to the gym and put on a bunch of extra like protein-packed weight. It's not like you have to run a bunch of laps out there. It's not like you have to read a ton of books or commentaries to become the real you. No, it's really just one change of your mind, one shift in your perspective. If you could start to see yourself the way God sees you, If you could start to shift the way you think about yourself and think what God thinks when he thinks about you, your whole world will be completely different. And so uh, we've looked at several different pieces of this puzzle. If you weren't here for any of those, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast, even if you hate our podcast. Somebody before church told me they hate our podcast. It's pretty harsh, isn't it? I'm not going to say whose name that was, but it sounds a lot like Habby. All right, so, but she does not like our podcast. She said, because I like, I have to be able to see something. So I told her I could text her a picture of me, and then she could just look at that while she listens to the podcast. She didn't like that idea either. So, but um, yeah, so go back and listen to any of the pieces you missed. But we've covered a lot. In the very first week, we kind of tackled our identity in Christ, what God sees when he looks at us, that he loves us, that he is, um, if you are in Christ, he has made you complete And uh, he has chosen you, and you are actually his child and capable of great things. And so we kind of talked a lot about starting to see ourselves the way God sees us and saying things to ourselves that are true based on what God says about us, not based on what we feel or what the enemy or other people have to say. And we also tackled in week two, like facing our insecurities, because you're never going to become the real you as long as you believe the lies, um, that are being spoken about you. And so just kind of that idea of looking in the mirror and, uh, and, and, and saying the true things about yourself or addressing your insecurity and fighting back against insecurity God's way. And then uh, last week, if you were here, we tackled the idea of temptation and how do you deal with temptation because there's going to be um, kind of that shoulder demon whispering into your ear to do the opposite of what God's telling you to do. And so when you hear those voices, you have to learn how to hear God's voice above all the other voices and, and to kind of block out that shoulder demon, but instead kind of hear and say the right thing um, that God says about you. But this week is so important because without this week, 
then we really just kind of fall short of the whole picture of becoming the real you. We really kind of stop short of, of seeing the full picture that God has to say about us. And, and we don't want to do that. We don't want it to just be like, we don't want you to come in here and for it to just be a bunch of self-help or motivational speeches. That's really no good. We got to go further than that. And so it can't just be, hey, go home, look in the mirror, say a bunch of nice things about yourself because, you know, um, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. Anybody know what that's from? Raise your hand if you know what that's from. Yeah, all right. So there's only two of us that ever watched Saturday Night Live in the 90s. So, but uh, yeah, that's Stuart Smalley from Saturday Night Live. So yeah, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, right? But this is really more, God's word is more than just you getting a bunch of cliches or things to say to yourself in the mirror to pump you up each day. There's more to the puzzle than that. So today I want to ask you a different question. Here's the question. It's a simple three-word question. Each word just has three letters in it. You ready? Who are you? Who are you? That's the question for today, okay? Who are you? And uh, we're going to try our best to answer that from God's Word. I thought about myself this week, and so my name is David Decker, right? But that isn't who I am. That's just my name, right? Um, I'm a pastor, but that isn't who I am. That's just what I do, isn't it? Um, I'm a Kentuckian. I definitely never thought I'd be saying that, that's for sure. But that isn't who I am either. That's just where I live, right? And so a lot of things can creep into your life that become your identity, that become what you think of when you think of who am I or who you are. But they're not necessarily who you are. They're just what you label yourself as, and so you got to go beyond that. So that's the question we're going to kind of answer today to wrap up this series. Now, let me ask it to you in a different way. Maybe this will be, it's a little wordier, but maybe this will be a more helpful way for you to think about this question today. You ready? Here, here it is. Ready? And this is kind of like four weeks in the making we've got to this question. Ready? Is who you are determined by what you do, or is what you do determined by who you are? That's a good question to ask every day. Is who you are determined by what you do, or is what you do determined by who you are? That's really what we're going to answer today. And that's an important question because for almost everybody, even the best intended people, even the godliest Christians, even the uh, smartest, most educated among us, even the wealthiest and most comfortable who live, seem to live the best, most comfortable lives, all of us have this tendency to believe that our identity is wrapped up in what we do. But I would present to you for the last three weeks and now kind of concluding today that what we do should be wrapped up in our identity. And you can't reverse the two. And if you reverse the two, you're going to have an identity crisis. If you reverse those two ideas, you're going to start to think the wrong things about yourself. Maybe things that are too cocky. Maybe things that are too shameful. But on one end of the scale or the other, you're going to get the wrong idea of who you really are. In God's world, in God's viewpoint, if we would shift our perspective to what he thinks, we would start to realize that who I am is not determined by what I do, but what I do is determined by who I am. Okay. In other words, like your behavior always follows your beliefs. Now, nobody's perfect and nobody's behavior follows their beliefs perfectly. But in general, you will act congruently with what you feel or believe on the inside. And so shifting the way you think, shifting the truth you embrace, shifting the way you are on the inside is always going to affect the way you are on the outside. What I do is always dictated by who I am. 
All right, so freedom is available for you today. Maybe you've been trapped by what you do or don't do for a long time. Maybe you've been held hostage by wrong views of yourself. Maybe some preacher screamed at you in a church one day and convinced you you were actually the devil. I don't know. Maybe some preacher pumped you up one day and tried to convince you you were an angel. I don't know. But we're not the devil and we're not angels. We're something different. We are who God says we are. I love the songs we picked out today. You guys did a great job picking those songs out today. I felt like you guys were preaching the sermon today. And so I just want you to know freedom's available, but it's only available if you'll live in the truth. Now, truth is a funny thing. I want to invite you to come back next week. We're going to have a church service unlike any we've ever had to date at Three Strands. It's like a unique thing we're going to do. We're going to tackle this idea of what is the truth. But I want to encourage you to be here to be very unique, very different, more of a discussion kind of format um, than a preaching or a teaching setup. And so I want you to kind of come, and it's important. Like, it's going to, like, set the frame for a lot of stuff we do over the next several years at our church. So I hope you'll be part of that. But freedom is available if you'll live in the truth. If you continue to live in a lie, freedom is unavailable. The more you believe lies, the more you live based on lies, the more enslaved you become. The more you embrace the truth, the more you believe the truth, the more you live in the truth, the freer you will be. Jesus even said that, right? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Even people who didn't grow up in church and don't go to church have heard that idea. The truth will set you free, right? Well, Jesus spoke it. It wasn't on law and order. It wasn't something from criminal minds. Jesus actually said that first. The truth will set you free, right? And so we want you to live in the truth because we want you to have freedom. So how do we believe the truth about you, about God, about your circumstances, about your thoughts, about your feelings, about your obstacles? Because those beliefs what you embrace is truth, will always drive your behavior. All right, I don't want you to stop short. I don't want you to just talk good things to yourself. I want you to actually hear the truth, embrace it, and then go do it. That's what we're going to do today. And so what I'm trying to tell you is we have a part to play in this process. There's some stuff we have to do. Up until today, it's been largely God's part in the process. Hey, you need to know what God thinks about you. You need to know how God sees you. You need to know how God wants to address your insecurities. You need to know how God dealt with temptation and what his process is for facing temptation. You need to look at yourself, say what God says, see what God sees, and think what God thinks. But today is the part where we're going to kind of like turn the mirror on to you and say, you got to make some changes. If you're going to become the real you, if you're going to embrace the truth, and live a free life, you got to make some changes. Now, make no mistake about it, God saves us by his grace. He doesn't save us because of what we do. I'm going to read you some passages. Let me read you this first one. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Let me read you just a couple of verses here. I want you to see these two ideas um, kind of coming together in God's word. That he saves us by his grace, but it's our responsibility to do something still. I want you to see him. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. I love that phrasing in the NLT. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. All right. Please hear this with all of the, in case you weren't here the last three weeks, I want you to hear this with all of the grace and love I can muster, okay? 
I want you to not hear condemnation, but I want you to hear the truth through eyes that love you like a father would love his child, because that's how God thinks of us. And, and God does save us by his grace. But the idea that God will save you by his grace and then you never have to grow is not real. It's fake. And if you're living based on that belief, you are living in the lie. I'm going to show it to you several times. It comes up hundreds of times in God's word, but I'm going to show it to you several times, this idea of work hard to show the results of your salvation. In other words, if you've been saved, you will work hard. Now, I don't like it either. I wish the verse said, if you've been saved, sit back and just eat and drink and life will just be roses. I'd love that. I'd love it if I could say, hey, if you've been saved by God's grace, don't do another thing. Your ticket has been punched. But that isn't what God's word says. If you are God's child, you will work hard. How do I know that? Because who you are determines what you do. If you've really been saved by God's grace, you will work hard to show the results of that salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Why? Because God is working on the inside of you. He's working on you from the inside out, giving you a desire and the power to do what pleases him. Come on, let's just be real about it. If you don't have a desire or the ability to do things that God says to do or to do things that please him, then maybe, just maybe, he actually hasn't saved you on the inside. Is it there or not? Am I making it up to try and make you feel guilty or am I just reading God's word to you? Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Why? Because God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Nobody's perfect. Nobody gets it all right. But your life will be a reflection of your beliefs. Your actions will follow your insides. Your emotions will kind of drive and dictate your behavior, your belief system will always drive behavior. Do you get it? Now, I don't like it either. God definitely saves us by his grace. There is nothing you can do to earn salvation or to punch your ticket into heaven on your own. God has to do it all. He has to love you. He has to die for you. He has to defeat death by rising from the dead. He has to draw you to himself and convict your heart. He has to let you know he loves you and he wants to rescue you and all you have to do is believe it, for sure. I'm gonna show you that in God's word in just a second. But then after that, something should be different on the inside of me because God says he transforms me into a brand new creation, that he makes me something different, that I've been reborn and so now I have a completely different life that's filled with God giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I'm just going to ask you today to examine your own life. Not to prove to me that you prayed some prayer. Not to prove to me that you belong to a church somewhere. Or that you signed the right documents. <laughs> Not any of that. Just to look at your life and God's word and match them up with each other. And just decide, have I really experienced God's grace? Has he really saved me? Because if he has, it should change the way I live. And if it hasn't, maybe you need to ask him to change you on the inside. 
Or maybe you need to ask him to give you the courage to start living out what he's supposed to be empowering you to do. I don't know. You'll have to figure that out. But I'm just going to show you God's truth. So God saves us by his grace. But then he seems to give us this responsibility to grow. In other words, when you become a Christian, when you ask God to save you, and you tell Jesus you'll follow him the rest of your life, you don't instantly know all the answers. You don't instantly know exactly how to live. You might have all the exact same struggles and problems you walked into your Christianity with, but now it's on you to grow up. The Bible sometimes calls this growing, and sometimes it calls it maturity. Sometimes it it calls it acting like an adult. But we got to grow up, all of us, me included, if we're going to live the real us, the real life that God wants us to live. Okay, it's like a baby. Think about it for a second. When a baby's born, when I was born, the day I was born, I was fully human. Is that fair? Like, I'm not more human now than I was the day I was born, am I? No, nobody would look at somebody in their 20s and be like, now you're a real human. You got all the humanity you were going to get the day you were born, right? You don't become more human, but as you get older, you should get more free. Now think about it for a second. When I'm first born, my entire world revolves around my mommy or my daddy holding me and being in this little crib. That's it. Now if that was your life now, you'd be miserable, right? So as you get older, you get freer. I could leave here today and drive to the grocery store if I want to. I could take a vacation and go somewhere out of town for the week. I could I could get in a plane and fly to Hawaii and just live there if I want. I'm completely free. I'm significantly more free now than I was as a one-day-old, am I not? I can decide what I want to eat. I can decide where I want to go to the bathroom. When you're one-day-old, you don't get to pick any of that, do you? It just all happens to you and for you and through other people around you. That's what it's like if you're a Christian and you never grow up. We just look like babies, walking around doing the same couple little things that we did No, our faith is supposed to grow into something different, into something more, into something more mature. That's what the Bible says. I'll show it to you here in just a second. But think about it that way for a second. As I mature in Christ, as I grow up in my faith, as I practice more and more of the disciplines or the things that God says he wants me to do, as I do the things that please him, I don't become more of a Christian. I got all the Christian I'm ever going to get the day I asked God to save me and told Jesus I'd follow him the rest of my life. But I become more mature, and so I become more free. I, I embrace God's truth more fully, and so I get more freedom from it. That's what we're talking about today. There's a lot of examples of that in the Bible. But look at this one, Titus chapter 2. See if you can see these two ideas working together where God gives us his grace but we still have to grow. You ready? Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. So what brings salvation to us? The grace of God, right? The grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. What's it do? Next verse. Training us to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, devotion, and God. Now, just in those first two verses, you hear the, the contrast? God's grace brings us salvation, and then in turn, we are trained to live the right kind of way. It starts to train us to live with wisdom and righteousness. 
devotion to God. Verse 13, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us, to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. Does that sound like some of the stuff we already covered in the first few weeks? Totally committed to doing good deeds. See how the two ideas are kind of mixing together here? And then he says to Titus, like, you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You with me? You see these two ideas here. That's why we're teaching them today, following that instruction. We have to warn each other. We have to teach each other. We have to be on guard against the tendency to decide who we are is based on what we do instead of what we do is based on who we are. Yeah, I need God's grace and it saves me, but I got to grow. I got to train. I got to discipline myself. I got to do the things God wants me to do. They're totally committed to doing those good deeds. You with me? So let me just recap for you the first three weeks here. A lot of the things that God says about you. All right. You guys ever, anybody ever watch an infomercial? I know like everybody under like 25 doesn't even watch TV. Like anybody ever see an infomercial where they're like selling you something and they keep hyping it and talking it up and then all along the way there's like this little tiny crowd or a couple people that keep saying, how much is it? You guys know what I'm talking about? And the, but wait, there's, and then the guy's like, but wait, there's more before he tells you the price. You're like, just tell me how much it is, you know? I want you to know that all of this stuff I'm about to say is available to you for free. So you don't have to ask me how much it costs. It's all available to you for free. You ready? We talked about you're chosen, you're complete, and you're capable. You are God's child, 1 John 3, verses 1 and 2. You are an image bearer of God, Genesis 1:27. You are safe and secure in God's hands, John 10, 27 to 29. You are marvelously made, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. You are holy, Colossians 1, 21 and 22. You are God's possession, 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. You are a masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10. If you are in Christ, you are all of those things and dozens, dozens more for free. For free. And none of them, none of them are true of me because of what I've done. And none of them are true of you because of anything you've done. It's unearnable. God has to make me his child. God has to give me capability. God has to choose me. God has to complete me. God has to adopt me. God has to free me. I don't get to earn any of it. All right, so let me show you another example. The one I said there at the end, I want to show you another example where God calls us his masterpiece, but how this idea of God's grace saving us and our responsibility to grow up work together. Can I show it to you? Ephesians chapter 2. Starting in verse 8, one of the most famous passages in the New Testament. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Is that God's grace saving us and nothing else? Nothing I can do to earn it, right? Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us brand new, anew in Christ Jesus. Do you see it in there? God's grace saves us and makes us all these things. But that isn't the end of the verse. Let me read you the last phrase of the paragraph. He makes us his masterpiece. He creates us brand new in Christ Jesus 
so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You get it? You guys see it? Have I showed it enough? Because we could look at hundreds of them, but I'm just saying, have I showed you a couple examples so you can see it's only by God's grace that I am saved, that I get heaven, that I become a Christian, that I am created brand new, that I am a masterpiece, that I am God's child, that I am all those things I listed off. It's only by God's grace that he gifts that stuff to me. But then I'm supposed to grow up and do the good things he planned for me. You with me? These two work together. In other words, there is no such thing as one without the other. Sometimes in this area, there's a lot of debate in our community here uh, over like the, I don't know, kind of the Baptist thread of the community that's like once saved, always saved, you know, and then kind of like the Pentecostal thread of like the, you know, like every time you sin, you lose your salvation kind of. There's like a real debate in our community in that, in that, in that area, right? And, and we're not going to dive into that debate today, but I just want to say it is so clear from God's word that the idea of a Christian who doesn't do the things God says to do, it cannot be reconciled. There is no such thing in the Bible as this person who prays some magic words. God rescues them and gives them the gift of heaven and eternity, and then that person goes and does whatever they want. That's the opposite of following Jesus. You can't say I'm following Jesus and then I follow whatever I want to do. It's, the, it's two opposites. It doesn't even, it's so incongruent. That's the whole point here. James writes a whole letter on it. We're going to do a series next year on the book of James, studying through the whole book of James called Gym Class. And it's going to be all about training ourselves to practice our faith. And he says, you say there's faith and I say there's good deeds. You, you act as if they're two separate things. And I say to you, it's impossible for them to be separate. You, you, you can't show me your faith without good deeds, but I can show you my faith by my good deeds. What's he saying? My behavior will reveal my belief system. You get it? This is the whole idea. That who I am drives what I do. And they work together. I don't want to minimize God's grace, but I just want you to see the truth that they both are essential. We have a part to play. So now you're sitting there and you're thinking like, well, what do I do? I believe you. I believe what God's word says. How do I do the things God wants me to do? How do I grow up in my faith? I'm going to tell you today. It's similar to like doing good things for your spouse. Think of it this way if you're married. If you're not married, Someday, maybe you will be. So think of it this way for your spouse, right? But it's like, Stephanie and I have been married for a long time. A long time. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. How long has it been? I don't even know. 18 years. 18 years, Michael. 18 and a half years, I think, at this point, right? So wonderful. It was like 15 great years and three rough years, right, at the beginning. So that's how a lot of people's marriages at the beginning. But So uh, really rough years at the beginning, but so good. 18 and a half years. Okay. So every once in a while... I still do something nice for Stephanie. Probably not as often as I should. Every once in a while, I still do something nice for her. But never one time do I think to myself, if I do this for her, she will be more my wife. Yes. No, right? Nobody thinks that way. Once we said, I do, we were every bit the spouse to each other we were going to be from then to the day we die. No, nothing. To, I can't make her more my wife. But I still do good things for her. If you're one of those guys, like, oh, I said I loved her when we got married. She should know I love her. 
grow up and tell her you love her. It's ridiculous, you know? But it's like, so I tell her I love her now, not so she'll be more my wife, but because she is my wife. You, you see where we're going with this, right? What I am drives what I do. Because I am her husband, I do loving things for her. I don't do loving things for her so I will become her husband. You can't flip the two. If you flip the two, your theology, your religion, your faith is so screwed up. It's not going to work. You can't reverse the two. So I'm going to help you train yourself today. Okay? I'm not going to give you everything you can do. Let me just give you a short list. If you want to go out of here today and grow up in your faith, you want to go out of here today and become more mature as a follower of Jesus, and you have ears to hear it. Now, everybody in our room won't have ears to hear it, and that's okay. Jesus talked to a lot of people, and they didn't all have ears to hear it either. That's okay. That doesn't discourage me. I'm talking today from God's Word to the ones who have ears to hear, or willing to listen and go put God's Word into practice. Let me just give you six easy things everybody in the room could do to start to grow up in our faith. And we all need them, me, me included. I'm not different than you. All right, here they are. You ready? Here's the first one. The first three are what you do here with the rest of us. The second three are what you do at home by yourself. You ready? Here's a, our kids yesterday said, God really likes threes, doesn't he? Because Jonah was in the fish for three days and Jesus was in the grave for three days. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, and we go to three strands church. They were like, oh, like they couldn't believe it. They could never hit him before, you know. And so uh, anyhow, but all right. So the first, let me give you the first one. Join God's family in worship. Sounds easy. Sounds simple. It's a commitment to church services. Oh, some people have to like raise their feet off the ground. Commitment to church services, church events, worshiping God with his family with my singing, with my prayer, with my communion, Lord's table, with my note-taking, with my offerings, with my schedule, with my attitude. Here you go. You want to grow up in your faith. You come through the doors here, or if you go to a different church, wherever you go, you come through the doors every week, every week possible, right? And when you come through the doors, everything you do is an act of worship with your church family. Whether I'm dropping a check in the offering box, I'm listening to the music before the service starts, I'm talking with somebody before we get rolling, I'm taking notes during the sermon, I'm singing out during the singing time. Everything I do is me worshiping God with my church family. And God could not be clearer in his word when he describes that he wants us to do all those things with each other. If he didn't, he wouldn't have made a church. See, I could rewrite God's plan without the church. I could do it. You don't really need the church unless God has a purpose for us to do a bunch of things together. Right? Think about the day we live in. You could get all the preaching you need at home. Could you not? You could find all the worship music you want online. You could go home and you could pray and you could take communion with your family and, and you could serve your neighbors and you could... Everything God tells us to do, you could do without the church. The only thing you can't do without the church is do all that stuff together. You with me? So when I come through the doors, I get to make a choice. Today, am I going to be a little kid or am I going to grow up in my faith? And a little kid pouts and says, I don't want to be here. And I don't want to give anybody my money. It's my money. And I don't want to sing. 
And I don't want to be with those people. And I don't want to be friendly. And I don't want to talk. And it's all about them. But a grown-up says, this is my opportunity to walk through the doors and to worship with everybody else. To sing with them, to pray with them, to smile with them, to shake their hand, to give my money with them, to pull it all together for God's glory, to give everything I got for the Lord as a family. And God couldn't be clear about it. Let me read you the very first church service. Can I read you a paragraph from it? Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 47. It says, And all the believers met together in one place. Here we are. And shared everything they had. Take our food. Take our money. Take our friendship. It's here for the taking. Because that's what a grown-up does. They sold their property and possessions. Babies don't have property and possessions. They're not bringing an offering to the Lord. They can't sing. All they can do is that, whatever that is that Jeremiah is doing. Like some kind of weird, like grunting, cooing, I don't know, whatever kids do, you know. But I get to grow up and come into the building and I get to make a choice to live just like this. They worship together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. That's what we do here. Did you guys hear what we do here? Like, it's it. This is what we do. We get together. We teach God's word. We sing praises to him together. We share meals together. We pool our money together. We do exactly what that church was doing. Nothing's changed. So when I come through the doors, I get to decide, am I going to be an adult today and grow up? And every time I choose to give God the first part of my money, it grows me up a little bit. Every time I choose to sing out and praise to him with the rest of his family, it grows me up a little bit. Every time I choose to put on a smile, shake somebody's hand, talk to them about their week, I grow up a little bit. And every time I walk through the doors and I put on my grumpy face and I refuse to talk to anyone and I refuse to give anyone my money and I refuse to sing and I refuse to stay around, share a meal with those people, every time I do that, I stay a baby. I, I stay a kid in my faith. That's it. I'm not calling you the devil. I'm just saying that's what church is. That's why God made it. This is what grown-up Christians do. Okay, here's the second one. Here, what, what is worship, by the way? In case you're like, I know what you mean when you say worship. Here, worship's simple. It's this. You ready? Worship is just giving God everything I have because of everything he is. You got it? Just giving God everything I have because of everything he is. You're like, well, what about this? What about that? I want to hang on to this. I shouldn't give God this. You're talking like a kid. Stop worrying about that. I'm just going to give God everything I got because of everything he is. That's it. You're asking the wrong question. If you're asking the question like, what can I hang on to? Like, that's the wrong question. You should be asking, what can I give him for what he's done for me? Like, you're, you got the cart before the horse. You got it all backwards, you know? Ask the right question. All right, here's number two. You want to grow up in your faith? Here's number two. Join God's family in community. I've never been at a church that pushes and presses community more than this one. We give every opportunity we can for it. We beg people from the front. We invite people one-on-one. -on -one. There's people in this church that will drop their whole life to hang with you, just to spend some time with you. And so I press into community. I press into fellowship, authentic connection with other Christ followers. I don't just sit and watch the show. I get down and dirty. I tell people about the real me. I get honest about who I am. 
I reveal the real me to other people. I don't hide it, try to put on a mask and act like I'm Mr. Great and righteous. No, I'm the real me with other people. This takes time and transparency. It's why we have life groups. If you're not in a life group, I would encourage you to jump into a life group. It's the best opportunity we provide as a church for you to experience God's community, connection with other people on a similar journey of faith. And maybe you're like, well, I can't come to life group because you know, I live an hour away or, or I have a work schedule that keeps me out of it. I get it. We can't meet everybody's need with our small amount of life groups. I get that. But you still need community. So you got to do whatever it takes if there's two people in the church, you're like, hey, I can't make it to life group. Can we get together for a Saturday morning breakfast twice a month? I just need to be around some other Christians. Can we get together every Tuesday evening and just pray together? Or me just talk about my life and you talk about your life. I just need to be around some other Christians. You, you got to do it because a grown-up makes the choice. I need that in my life because God tells me I does. I, I do. They don't just hide and live their own little life and be all about themselves. They press into God's community. Simple, simple. It's like a Rubik's Cube. Simple to explain, hard to do. Ecclesiastes 4.12, a person standing alone be attacked, can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a cord of three strands is not easily broken. I promise you, you've never gone to a church that is more passionate about real community. Like there may be other churches that are as passionate, but like we are so passionate about it. Number three, join God's family in service. Every Christian has been gifted by God to serve the rest of us. And if you're not in a regular serving role, using your giftedness to serve others, it's only because you won't grow up yet in that area. And I'm just begging you to grow up. That's it. It always is going to take a little sacrifice, and it's always going to take a little time. But that's what serving other people looks like. So I'm just asking us to grow up as a family, as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, to not just stay little kids, but to grow up in our faith. And growing up in your faith in the New Testament looks like taking your unique giftedness and serving the rest of the body of Christ with it. I don't know that I've ever been in a church that pushes serving roles more than the church we're in now either, to be honest. And I get it that it's hard and it takes commitment level service. I get it. It'd be easier just to say like, well, I'll do what I want to do when I feel like doing it. But guess what that sounds like? I mean, it's, I'm just saying, like, guess what that sounds like? A kid. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 15. It's one of many examples. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. We're supposed to grow up, right? Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It's all, nothing else needs to be said about that, does it? Just read it. Number four, you want to grow up in your faith? Number four, you ready? Now this is when you do it home by yourself. Spend time with God. I know it sounds very Sunday school-like, sounds very cookie cutter. Make some time to spend with God. Here's what a kid says. A kid says like, I can't get up early. It's fall break. I can't spend time with God every day. I'm too tired. I'm too busy. I just don't like it. I just don't understand the Bible. It's like, there's all these reasons not to. But a grown-up says, hey, I'm just going to read God's word 
just going to spend some time with him each day. I'm going to pray about everything. I'm going to worship God in my home. When I'm in the shower, I'm going to take advantage of that time and sing some praises to God. When I wake up from my bed, I'm going to get on my knees and ask God to help me start the day because that's what a grown-up in the faith does. Not because you always feel like it, because you know it's training you, it's growing you, it's maturing you, it's making you more and more like Jesus. One of my favorite passages in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, I have to read it to you because I have it memorized, but I only have it memorized in the King James Version, so I have to read it to you in the NLT. Oh, the joys for those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Do you get it? Blessed is the man who does not walk according to the counsel of the ungodly, but instead he meditates on God's word every day and every night. He reads it. He memorizes it. He internalizes it. And don't say you can't, because we give our time and our attention and our commitment and all of our memorization skills to all kinds of stuff that don't matter. I just said don't matter. You hear that? I'm really kentucky fine myself here. All right. That do not matter. That doesn't matter. You get it? And so I go home and I got every channel of the 250 channels that Dish Network provides to my house. I know them all. I could basically tell you any channel number we got. And I know every play in the playbook if I'm on a team. And I know everything that matters to me. Some of us could go to the grocery store and tell you exactly what aisle every grocery is in that you need to find. So the idea that I can't read God's word and I can't memorize God's word is just us acting like kids when we need to grow up. We can do it. And so I meditate on it and I grow up. How do I do it? I'm going to give you a simple formula. I give everybody I talk to, here's how you start. Where do I read? What do I do? How do I start spending time with God every day? How do I do it at home? How do I, I don't, okay, here's how you do it. You ready? One chapter, one prayer, one worship song. One chapter, one prayer, one worship song. When you go home today or tomorrow morning, just wake up, be like, I'm going to read one chapter, I'm going to say one prayer, I'm going to listen to one worship song. Where do I read? Here you go. You ready? Read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, and then read the book of John. That'll take you about a month to get through those two things, but you'll learn how God created everything, how he rules over everything, and how we got so screwed up. Then you'll read the entire life of Jesus, which you need to know to figure out how to get out of how screwed up we are. That's a great place to start. That'll take you 30 days. Read one chapter a day. Then you just say one prayer. I don't know what to say. What is prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. So just do like we do with our kids at home. Just close your eyes. You don't close your eyes because uh, God only hears you when your eyes are closed. You close your eyes so you're not distracted by all this stuff around you. Bow your head. You don't bow your head because God's living down there below me. I bow my head out of reverence because he's holy and mighty, right? So I'm bowing my head for respect. And then I just talk to God. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what you need. Tell them what you're thankful for. Ask them for one, like simple, just simple stuff. We always tell our kids, just tell God one thing you're thankful for, one thing you love about him, one thing you need help with today, uh, one friend that needs help, and one thing you need to admit that you did wrong. Just five simple sentences that they pray when we're praying at home, right? So it's just like, God, thank you for boom, 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 boom. God, I love it that you're so boom, 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 boom. God, I need help today doing blah, 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 blah. Fill in the blanks, right? Simple. Take you a minute or two. Then you can get on your phone or your computer or your radio. I don't know if anybody even does that still. And, and you can find one. There's thousands, millions probably of worship songs out there you can find now. You don't know what to listen to? All you got to do is right after church today, just walk yourself up to the screen with your smartphone 
and scan the little QR code in the bottom, and you can get the whole band's playlist off Spotify or Apple Music. They'll both, both be available to you. Every time they add a new song, they add a new song on the playlist. You can stay up to date with it. One chapter, one prayer, one worship song. That's it. And just commit to do it every day. Make a time, make a place, go for it, because that's what an adult does. Here's you go, the fifth one. Set up godly standards. Set up godly standards. I do this by putting barriers of protection around my life. If I, if I think, if God says, stop getting drunk, then I stop putting myself around alcohol. If God says, uh, stop lusting, then I stop putting stuff in front of my eyes that makes me lust. If God says, stop overeating, then I stop stocking my cabinet with Little Debbie snack cakes, right? I put up some barriers in my life to protect myself, some standards. I make God's standards my standards. I put up some guardrails that'll keep me, somebody in our life group on Wednesday night was talking about that. I can't remember who it was, Kate. It was like somebody on your side, there was like you or Brian or Emmanuel. Somebody like was sitting on that side. I don't remember who it was that was saying that about like putting up guardrails in their life. But it's somebody in that group there. I just can't remember. They're all sitting kind of the same spot there. But that's what I do if I'm going to grow up. I put some standards. A kid doesn't do that. They go out in their car as a 16-year-old. They rip around, do whatever they want as fast as they want. But it's someday you got to grow up and start doing responsible things. you got to be certain places on time. You have obligations and people that are counting on you. And so I put up some protections. I set some alarms. I ask somebody to wake me up. And I do those same things spiritually. I work God's program of righteousness. I train and I beat and I discipline my body to do the right thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27 says this. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. It's not going to just happen. You have to grow up. And here's the last one. Strive to imitate Jesus. You wake up each day and you make it your goal to live like Jesus lived. You copy him. You follow his example. You love God. You love other people. You treat your neighbor as you would treat yourself. I know. You forgive those who offend you. You serve those who mistreat you. And you pray for those who abuse you. You live your life like Jesus lived his. But it's so hard. I know. But I beat my body into submission. Because that's what a grown-up does. So I train myself to live like Jesus lived. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Not so you will become his dear children. You see it again? But because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Do you get what he's saying? Listen, I know it's hard, and I know you can't see the results very quick. I know you don't see the, 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 the production very quickly. I get it. It's like, an, it's like Sydney started playing basketball this year. I was like, hey, you want to be a better basketball player? Go outside. Just take 50 shots every day. It doesn't matter if you make them or miss them. Just take 50 shots every day. And she's been doing that, right? She's been doing that. And she can't tell any improvement. She can't see herself getting any better. But that's what it's like. You still practice, don't you? you? You go to practice when you're on a team and you keep practicing because eventually the practice will start to pay off. And you'll start to become a little bit better at the sport you're playing. If you never practice, you don't think, you think it's going to magically happen? So is the Christian experience. It doesn't magically happen. 
you just stay a kid. It's like your child at home when you're measuring their height on the doorpost and you mark it and they're like, well, next year we'll measure it again. And then next year, it's like you, don't even, you can't even kind of tell that they've grown, but you put them back against the doorpost, they're like a foot higher. Like I couldn't even see it happening because it's happening so slow, but they just keep growing and growing and growing. That's what the Christian experience is like. You're not going to go home and read your Bible today and all of a sudden be super Christian tomorrow. You're not going to take on a serving role here and serve somebody else next week and then all of a sudden you'll have all the answers to life. You're not going to, um, uh, you know, put up some barriers of protection in your life today and then never sin again. It doesn't work like that. But you'll just start growing a little tiny bit at a time. So small you won't even be able to see it. But you'll start to grow up. The alternative is you just become a kid and stay a kid. Yeah, God saved you. We got a lot of people that say God saved them, and 40 years later, they're no different. And I'm just telling you, in God's word, I can't find that person. I can't find an example of that person that followed Jesus, and it didn't change what they did. I can't find them. Maybe they're there. If I were you, I wouldn't bank on it. If God really changes me on the inside, it starts to evidence itself on the outside. I'm not perfect. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. I'm not perfect, but I'm moving the right way. I'm following Jesus' example. I'm reading his word. I'm spending time with him. I'm worshiping him. I'm participating with his family in worship. I'm serving one another. I'm diving into community. I'm putting up some protection in my life so that I don't cheat on my wife, so that I don't lose my temper at everybody so that I don't overeat, so that I don't live a life that's lazy. I'm disciplining myself. That's what we've got to do. You have to grow up. I have to grow up. Like, that's the last piece of the puzzle. You want to become the real you? Then we got to grow up. This isn't everything, but these six things, (laughs) great place to start. Join God's family in worship. Dive into God's community. Start serving one another. Spend some time every day alone with the Lord. Put up some barriers of protection in your life and wake up every day determined to live like Jesus lived. That's the life you want to be pursuing. That's the real you. That's who you are if you say you're in Christ. Now's your job. Now's your part. Now's the purpose he created you for. To go out of here today, take that truth and to put it into practice. Here's how Jesus said it in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? Do you get it? Becoming the real you? Yeah, we need to know what God says about us and what he thinks about us. We need to hear his voice above all the other voices. We need to see the insecurities for the lies they are. And we need to fight the temptations the way God says to fight them. But at some point, we got to make a choice to grow up too. And I can't find anybody I know that's living out these six things that doesn't look like a grown-up Christian. And so I'm just challenging you to look at all six of them. Is there one that's like a weakness for you? Maybe there's six, you know, 
But just today, would you like pick out one? Just like, you know what? Today, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to start reading my word every day. Today's the day I'm going to start serving the body of Christ. Today's the day I'm going to start giving God my first and best every time I get paid. Today's the day I'm going to start singing out loud because I don't care what everybody else can hear. I'm worshiping my God and following what he says to do. Today's the day that I'm going to put up some barriers of protection. Maybe I need to surrender my credit card for a while. Maybe I need to cancel that subscription for a while. Maybe I need to protect my eyes and put some filtering software on my phone for a while. Maybe I need to grow up and stop just doing whatever I feel like doing. Maybe I need to, this is the day where I choose the positive attitude when I talk to people instead of being grouchy and about myself. Maybe. I'm just asking us all to grow up. I know God's word says we'd be a better church if we all grew up together. I know God's word says you'd be a better person if you'd grow up in his way. I get it. This is the Jesus way, and it's hard. And like I said earlier, it's all free, but it'll cost you everything. And the famous missionary Jim Elliott, just days before he was um, killed by vicious aboriginal people with their spears on the mission field in South America, wrote in his journal, I've shared this with our church before, but he wrote this phrase in his journal, it's always stuck with me. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And so following Jesus is completely free, but it'll cost you everything. But if you give it all up, you will gain things you can never lose. And so it's so worth it. So what is the step of faith for you today? You get to decide. You get to take God's word and do what it says or not do what it says and remain a child. Can I pray for you guys? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your compassion to us. I'm so thankful that when you look at us, you don't see us with anger. You don't see us with bitterness or hatred. You don't see us with disappointment or regret. Instead, God, you see us with grace and mercy and compassion. That you see us like a father sees his child. That you are so overwhelmed and full of love for us. God, I know that none of us in the room, me included, are where we're supposed to be. We could all take steps of faith, especially in these six things we just shared. Would you give us the courage to take those steps? To look at our life in a week or a month or a year and still realize we're not where we're supposed to be, but we're still coming along further. We're moving in the right direction. Look at us now, God. We're following you with all we got. We're not perfect. We're not necessarily even a role model, but we are just following you one day at a time, looking at our life and being thankful for where you have us in the moment, taking the very next step of faith with courage and trusting you to keep growing us up and making us more mature in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, we hope that encouraged you and will push you to know Jesus better. There's no better life than the life that is completely dependent on God. Be sure to check back each week for new podcasts from 3SC.